The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Please make that horrible music stop before my ears start bleeding. It's horrible. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And the classic album, Clash, is back. I got a trio of special guests, a different band, and two unbelievable albums to break down in Pithead Head. This is the best slash worst band you've ever heard in your life. Talking about Nitro, but the guys from the Pod of Thunder Return, Andy, Nick, the Jones Brothers, and the mysterious Chris L uh, are back talking about the band that we're focusing on today. Like I said, Nitro, the best worst band you've ever heard. And the albums under comparison review are 1989's OFR, which stands for Out Outrageous. And 1992's Nitro 2, hot, wet, dripping with sweat. Didn't make it up. This is all real stuff. Nitro was a short-lived, over-the-top heavy metal band that formed in Hollywood, California in about 1989. And those are the only two albums they released. They broke up in 1993, not long after Hot, Wet, Dripping with Sweat came out. Nitro was basically Jim Gillette on vocals and Michael Angelo Baccio on guitar. There's a lot of reasons why you've probably never heard of them and a lot of reasons why you might have heard of them. And we're about to give you more reasons why you should check them out or stay away from them after listening to this show. It's a traditional classic album clash filled with our first experiences with Nitro, how we found them. We've got some great stories, trivia, production details, and of course, to do the traditional classic album clash song by song breakdown that culminates in a winner. Or at least what we feel is the best, if you can even say that, of these two albums. The Nitro Classic Album Clash is here, and so is the new Fozzie record, Boombox, drops May 6th. You can pre-order it today wherever you buy and stream music, and come see the second leg of Fozzie's Save the World Tour. We had a very successful first leg. It was amazing. Played a bunch of amazing shows, uh, packed houses, and met a bunch of great people at VIP. You can join us there as well. And you can join us in New Orleans next Thursday, April 28th at the Southport Music Hall, April 29th, Houston, Texas at Warehouse Live, April 30th, San Antonio, Texas at the Rock Box, May 1st, Austin, Texas, come and take it live, May 2nd, Dallas, Texas, Amplified Love. So many more dates, including the Whiskey A Go Go on May 5th, uh, Denver, Colorado at the Oriental Theater on May 13th. May 16th in Saugat, Illinois, the world-famous Pops. Go check out all the other cities to FozzyRock.com for tickets and VIP information. You're not going to want to miss the VIP. We hang out with you, do a Q&A, sign whatever you want. We play a five-song mini electric set 
just for you. It's the best VIP in the business and one of the best rock and roll shows you can ever see. Go to FozzyRock.com and come rock out with us. Judas went gold, 500,000 units sold. I Still Burn, the number one most added song on rock radio and our seventh consecutive top 30 hit. Come be a part of the potty. Uh, potty. Come be a part of the potty. Come be a part of the party. Go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket and VIP information and stick right here for the Nitro Classic Album Class featuring the boys from Pod of Thunder, Andy, Nick, and the mysterious Chris L. The Classic Album Class returns right here, right now. OFR versus Hot, Wet, Dripping with Sweat. I barely said that with a straight face. Here we go. All right, so it's time for another uh, amazing edition of the classic album Clash here on Talk is Jericho. And joining us for the third time are the Boys of Thunder from the Pot of Thunder, America's little brother Andy, Nick Nick Polak, and uh, the mysterious and ever uh, erotic Chris L. And we are, uh, usually I'm guesting on your guys show but this is like i said the third time you guys have done this one and we are doing uh a nitro now i'm just i'll just do a quick intro people might be going who is this nitro we've never heard of nitro that's the idea you, you shouldn't have probably heard of nitro but um we did also do for, for you guys the three cats the three rock and roll boners we've done a baron cross classic album clash which is a christian metal band from the 80s that's probably about as obscure as nitro so i think all of the talk is jericho fanatics will stick with us here now Andy, if you want to kick this off how did we end up coming to this point of this nitro uh a classic album clash because i will say this nitro is the best worst band ever or the worst best band ever depending on how you want to put it kind of both at the same time <laughs> yeah <laughs> Depending on which song and which aspect of whether it's a visual or performance or whatever it is. But yeah, you're right. But why we're here is because on our show, Pot of Thunder, we did an episode about one of the songs on uh, Nitro's second album, Hot, Wet, Dripping with Sweat. Yes. Donnie Died on Christmas. Well, we also though this all kind of started beforehand when we did uh, Cat Scratch Fever from the aforementioned Hot, Wet, Dripping with Sweat album. That's mm-hmm. right. That was probably a year and a half before the Johnny died on Christmas episode, so you're right. But that's kind of, maybe that's what started it. We've been talking about Nitro ever since in our group texts and when we get together. But then I think it really kicked into high gear with Johnny died on Christmas because <laughs> I don't think I've listened to another band on my phone since we recorded that episode. <laughs> that's all I've been talking about. And I don't know what got into your head. To When we started with the Cat Scratch Fever a couple years ago, and this was during the lockdown when I probably was here in Jacksonville, or maybe I was at home, but I would connect with you guys as much as possible because all of us were bored as shit just trying to find something to do. So you'd pick random songs now on Pot of Thunder, and the gimmick of the show, for those of you just hearing about this for the first time, is they pick a song, we pick a song, and for the next hour debate that song and you think how the hell can you talk for an hour about a song well it's very easy because you stop and start and get really into the minutiae so we were laughing our asses off at nitro the concept of nitro which is uh, the highest singer of all time in jim gillette and the fastest guitar player of all time in michael angelo baccio 
two guys who had instructional videos before they had bands. Correct. Yeah. Like back in the day, uh, for those of you guys that are probably 40s or older, you could buy a magazine like Circus and in the back they would have all the, the classified ads and you could get the Jim Gillette vocal method and the Michelangelo uh, guitar speed. Speed kills. Speed kills. And then the other one was Billy Sheehan bass tactics or whatever. They were available as a two pack. Also, I think you got a discount if you got speed. They really were speed kills and vocal power together. <laughs> And it was packaged together as, well, if you're a guitar player, you need to learn how to sing backup. So buy both. Right. So we kind of came obsessed with this Nitro. And then when we, Nick actually brought up, let's do Johnny Died at Christmas, which we've all agreed is possibly the worst song of all time. But <laughs> it will get Nick and, and Chris involved quickly here. But the reason why this popped in my head to do a Nitro classic album clash is because you said you hadn't stopped listening to Nitro and done a whole deep dive where I thought, we could be the only four people in the world that are discussing Nitro right now and probably are for good and bad reasons. There could be members of Nitro hanging out right now and they're not discussing <laughs> Nitro. <laughs> so, uh, Nick, what is what was your thoughts about the initial Nitro salvo? And did you listen to Nitro prior to Pot of Thunder? Did you know anything about this band? No, actually. Um, this was a band that flew under my radar in our discussions that we've had over the last uh, eight years on Pot of Thunder, a lot of the ridiculous has come up. So we had a few listeners who had sent us, you know, private messages or Facebook posting. Well, you know, Nitro, right? And you know, this song and this song. And it's like, no, I don't know this. And then, <laughs> then I heard it and I'm, I wasn't sure what to make of it. Now I've, been forced to do the deep dive into both albums <laughs> well and, and just so you know pot of thunder once again started as a kiss exclusive podcast where they went through every single kiss song and the ones that always got the chris l's proverbial goat were the mark st john tunes because uh, chris does not suffer quick guitar players lightly always hated the the mark st john solos uh, what were your initial thoughts on nitro chris and did you know anything about this band prior to cat scratch fever and, and johnny died at christmas and now both records living in chicago since 91 uh and michelangelo batio is is a known commodity here in town oh, okay. local guy i guess and i my first job when i moved here was at guitar center so i'm pretty sure we had you know, we had all the instructional videos going on a loop behind the accessories counter, and I'm sure Batios was in the mix. And, you know, you walk by and you glance at the TV screen, and you see the, the, the bad wig, and you see the, yeah. the double neck guitar shooting off into the two different uh, directions. And, you know, he's got the guitar faces that are a combo of orgasm and defecation and <laughs> you know it's just like that whole visual the whole shtick of it and just the whole notion of just try and play as fast as you possibly can is just not something that appeals to me from a music musical standpoint so i was aware of him probably knew he was in the band called nitro but i hadn't heard a thing from them until we started uh, discussing the cat scratch fever cover. Fast forward to today, I've listened to both albums all the way through and ready to 
discuss them here on your show. <laughs> I was doing some reading. I was trying to do a deep dive of my own. I didn't get as far as Andy did. You can kind of tell us as we as we go through this, Andy, some of the things you've discovered. But somebody wrote a great comment about Batio was that he has complete control and a mastery of his instrument, but yet he still totally sucks. <laughs> 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 That's pretty accurate, I, think, I would say. I think Chris L. wrote that comment. Maybe. <laughs> Check the username. That's pretty accurate. You know, sums up my feelings uh, almost 100% equally. Now, Andy, were you familiar with Nitro at all prior to... Our pot of thunder experience? No, that's how they were introduced to me. And then, really, when I started examining Nitro more, was when Nick found the video for Cat Scratch Fever and the pretend drummer, Marcus Mueller, who we'll get into later, <laughs> headbutts the symbol at the beginning. And Nick said, You have to watch this video. And then, ever since then, yeah, it was I've been after that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a long and storied career with Nitro. Um, and it goes back to the early 90s when I was still living in Calgary prior to moving to Tennessee for my first kind of real excursion outside of Canada working for Smoky Mountain Wrestling. So what I used to do was I used to go to the flea market uh, in the early 90s, or as my friend and I called it, the fly market because the fly girls and living color were hot at the time, which tells you what year it was. And, and I'd go there hot fly girls at the flea market? No, but we just call it the fly market for whatever reason, right? And so I used to go buy second-hand tapes and for some reason maybe i read something about nitro or maybe i was just curious but i bought the cassette for ofr which is one of the two albums that we're discussing the other one being uh hwdws hot wet dripping with sweat ofr is out outrageous so i bought that and i put it into back in the day you would carry a box of cassettes uh with you in your car there was no ipod or phone you would have to choose the 20 or 30 cassettes, whatever fit into your cassette carrier and listen to that. So I was at my girlfriend's house, came out one morning and my car had been broken into and my cassettes were gone. So I got some insurance money, believe it or not. And I went back to the flea market to try and buy some cheap tapes. I realized that all of my tapes were had been stolen and then sold to the flea market. <laughs> and one of the reasons why is because out and Rageous was there along with about 15 other ones like this where I was like, okay, I know maybe somebody else brought in, you know, freaking uh, girls, girls, girls or ride the lightning, but nobody brought in out and Rageous. No, yeah. they didn't. Not you know, so quickly no. again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there was another, like a Cinderella long, cold winter that I had Tom key for autograph, and so I, I knew, like, this is my cassette. But the big evidence was that out Rageous was there. Yeah, that's the dead giveaway there. <laughs> so then prior to going down to Tennessee, I went to another secondhand, like, video store and looked through the CD racks and saw Hot Wet Dripping With Sweat was there. So I bought Hot Wet Dripping With Sweat along with a couple other albums. Mr. Big was one of them. And those were the, the CDs that I listened to driving from Calgary to Tennessee. So... I have listened to these albums many times over the last 25 years. Maybe not so much over the last 20, but for a three, four year period, I was very, very familiar with both these records. So you got OFR, but you were 
into it enough to buy the second one because I could see that turning some people off where they would be like, ah, this is too much. I'm not buying another Nitro album. Well, the reason why, though, is I remember taking out fucking Rages back to Winnipeg for Christmas vacation, for example, saying, guys, I have the funniest band you've ever heard in your life. You have never heard anything like this. And I specifically remember putting on one of the songs that we'll come up with. I should probably save it. There's one of the songs that has a 35-second scream. And we used to play this game, like, find the craziest scream you can find on any album. And I was like, I got the best one. You guys can't beat me on this. Putting it on and people, everyone just laughing. So that's kind of why it became a thing for me. That makes perfect sense. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We've got a lot to discuss as we go into these albums, because I want to hear a lot of your deep dive, Andy, and some of the things you've discovered, because you found live shows and you've found interviews and you've found uh some of the vocal power technique and all this sort of thing so before we actually get into the album covers and all the stuff that we usually do do you have any final comments and some of the things that you've found and learned andy that you might want to say now i'll say this up front i kind of did a 180 on nitro maybe not a full 180 but in the last two weeks it's because Listening to Nitro, I'm focusing more on Jim Gillette than I am on Michael. Yes. I'm not a guitar player. I get what he's doing is incredibly difficult, but I'm focusing more on Jim Gillette when I'm listening. I think he has to be the most technically gifted singer in the hair metal genre. <laughs> what he did with it, we'll get into, and that's questionable. You listen to it and you start laughing and you think this is so weird. Why does it sound so weird? It's because every song has these multiple parts yes. for every part. The yes. pre-chorus, the verse, even when he's just screaming like, yeah, or what, you know, that he's doing like four tracks yes. at pitches. That has to be extremely difficult and laborious to do. So when I was listening to that, I was thinking, should he not have gone into this type of music? Is there a different genre that he would have excelled at? But this was popular at the time. So he's like, I'm going to try this. And it just didn't, it didn't compute with what he was physically capable of and trying to do. I think he needed to dumb it down more to be success, more successful than mm. he was. What do you think of Gillette's vocals, Nick? I guess we'll get more into it, but I find it quite often unintelligible. <laughs> I can't tell what he's saying almost all the time. <laughs> Again, like what Andy said, it very impressive. I mean, and watching some interviews, kind of training up for this episode, I came to respect his uh, dedication to it. He really seems like he is 100% dedicated to keeping the voice going, to working on it, strengthening it. I mean, he's talking about which muscles mm -hmm. are, are need to be strengthened in order to do this. And, I mean, he's... Getting scientific about which uh, frequency, exact frequency to the thousandths place <laughs> that you need to break the glass. Mm -hmm. uh, I was impressed with all that. It, 
listening to it, it just sounds like some crazy guy, but there's definitely a method there. So it's, it's a, he's a very interesting guy. Another great quote that I read, read was he is half Vince Neal and half Elmo from Sesame street. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, do you agree with what Andy's saying that, you know, we're taking the piss out of this, but the thing about this band is, is once again, they play it totally straight. This is not a gag to them. They're very serious about it. And, and Gillette does have, I would never compare Jim Gillette to Freddie Mercury, but the concept is the same, where the stacked vocals are really incredible throughout a lot of the songs. Yeah, as we get into the uh, album comparison, I, I think some of my opinions will surprise people based on my previous Nitro mm-hmm. opinions. Because I've, I actually have some pretty uh, extensive notes here. Nice. Um, these being the first time I listened to the albums, I wanted to make sure I had my recollections written down because I certainly wasn't prepared to listen to them multiple times today. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure I had my, my thoughts down on paper so I could re- remember them for this show. So. Well, we'll uh, we'll get started. So, so the two albums in question is OFR, which of course stands for Out Rageous, came out May thirtieth, nineteen eighty nine, uh, on the Rampage label, produced by Gillette, Michelangelo Batio, and Charlie Watts, who um, I'm assuming is not the Charlie Watts of the Rolling Stones. That's where you're wrong. I think that <laughs> the, the Steel Wheels tour was delayed because. Uh, Charlie said, Mick and Keith, I've got Jim and Michelangelo on the line. Bugger off. I'll get back to you when I'm done with this. Uh, yes, and this also features the rhythm section of TJ Racer on bass and Bobby Rock on the drums, which is one of the other reasons why I bought it, because I was a big Bobby Rock fan from the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. And then I think at the time I bought this, he was in the Nelson Band. And the funny thing is, which we'll get into, there are a lot of comparisons here between Nitro and the Vini Vincent Invasion, and I'll leave it at that for right now. Uh, and the other album is Nitro 2, official name, HWDWS, Hot, Wet, Dripping with Sweat. So they're very much in the Sabbath Aussie mode where they like their uh, acronyms. This came out almost three years later, March 21st, 1992, also on Rampage, also produced by Jim Gillette. Uh, and the rhythm section has been replaced by Ralph Carter and Johnny Thunder, on the drums, who I don't think actually exists because I don't think there's an actual drummer on this album. Um, I know, but that's kind of venturing into Charlie Watts' territory where, you know, use, invoking the name of a member of the New York Dolls just to, to <laughs> pass off his last name. It's like this kind of game-playing, invoking <laughs> rock icons, insinuating that they would be involved with nitro is a pretty audacious move on their part very much so and uh when the tour started johnny thunders was gone uh, replaced by casey comet and of course in the video with a mark one marcus mueller who we should do a full podcast on uh just a quick note about the covers if you guys noticed that they're the exact same cover, just it different is. colors. Yeah, so which <laughs> color? Background. What do you like, red or green? That's how you pick which color. Which <laughs> cover is better? Well, the, the the background on OFR has got a little more artistic detail than just a different color. There's yeah. some. There's like a skull. There's some stuff going on there. But uh, the the second album is just simply 
swapped out the background <laughs> for a solid neon green color yeah. and putting a two at the bottom. <laughs> I like I like hot wet dripping with sweat better for that reason. Yeah, didn't waste sure, any not? time on the album cover. Just the lack of just we don't need to worry about it. We'll just stick the logo on a on a puke green uh, background and call it a day. Yep. Yeah. I, right. I was eating a fruit-flavored candy cane while listening to OFR, and my wife walked by and she said, that's the exact same color as the <laughs> album. <laughs> I just love the fact you're eating a fruit-flavored candy cane. <laughs> you know, listening to Nitro makes a man do strange things. Yes, it does. Uh, just because we always do this. So Andy likes Hot Wet, uh, Driven With Sweat better. I will go with Hot Wet, Driven With Sweat better because it pops a little bit better with the green Plus, uh, it, it, there is no other band that has this puke green, pea green color on an album. So it's very easy to find it uh, when you're looking for it in the, in the mix of a bunch of other CDs. Which a lot of people do, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah. on the regular. Chris, what's your favorite of the two covers? I, I got to go with OFR just because there a little, seem to be a little more effort put into it. I am a fan of the, the neon lime green, but I, I just, I got to nod to the uh, little bit of extra effort that went into the OFR album creation. Nick? Yeah, OFR. Plus, it reminds me of fruit-flavored candy yeah. canes. Now. Yeah. I mean, how could you not take that? Exactly. That green is uh, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> another thing we want to point out about, about the band, and you'll see this when I post pictures of them, as extreme and over-the-top as the guitar playing and singing are, it's the same for the image and the look. Gillette's hair is got it looks like a giant dandelion it is out there man it is long and it's poofed out to the max yep I, it has to be the biggest hair ever which is in the beginning of the freight train video which we'll get into but if you want to see the biggest hair and hair metal that's got to be it that's it yeah they, they, were, they were going over the top for everything so we're going to mess with the order of the set lists a bit the track lists and if there's any uh, diehard Nitro fans that have a problem with it, God bless you, man, because there's a lot worse things in the world to be worried about than this at the point in time. Uh, so we're going to start off, though, with uh, it's Freight Train uh, versus I Want You, and that's spelt with a U a la Prince. And there's a lot of this weird spelling going on on the uh, Hot Wet Dripping With Sweat album. So, Andy, you've been going on the deep dive. You want to start with the uh, track by track debate here? Freight Train, hands down. Freight Train is the template for Nitro. If you are going to play one song for someone by Nitro, it's going to be Freight Train. You're going to show them the video. It all comes together. There's the double neck guitar. Actually, it's the four neck guitar, the quad in that video during the solo. God. So he's playing He's playing with his hands, with his fingers down and then up and down. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> Let's just explain to you, this is not a four neck guitar like Rick Nielsen right. uh, from Cheap Trick. This is a four neck where... Like Andy says, it's like a, a four-pointed star. There's a neck going to the left, to the right, and to the lower left and the lower right. It's basically impossible to play. So he's finger-tapping with both hands in the traditional <laughs> sense, if you can even say that. Then he flips it over and does it <laughs> with his hands down. Quick note, in uh, one of the videos I saw, an interview on uh, Headbangers Ball with Adam Curry, nice. Michelangelo Badio says that guitar was stolen while they were on tour. Oh, no. The four-prong yeah, was stolen. How big must the vehicle have had to be? Pack <laughs> yeah. it in. Would you have to roll up a backhoe to <laughs> steal that thing? That's one of those things. Like It's like stealing a 59 Les Paul. Like, where are you going to sell it? As soon as you sell it, someone's going to know whose it is. Market somewhere in Tennessee. <laughs> 
No, it was in Calgary. The flea market was in Calgary. Wherever. And it'll be like, okay, that's mine. That's my stolen car. I'm just going to buy it back. I, I don't prove it. Prove it. Vessel. Prove it's yours. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Identify the guitar. Can you describe the guitar? You could say, didn't you see the freight train video? No, I didn't see it. <laughs> Did anyone? All right, so you're going with freight train, Andy? Yeah, that's the one. Uh, like I said, everything that is nitro is in that song and that video. If you need a good sample to see if you're into this, Chris, the, these being the opening tracks of the album, uh, I just want to do a, a quick production comparison. Right, uh, OFR. I couldn't decide if I liked the rather wimpy, anemic mm. sort of bass sound and low end sound i couldn't decide if i didn't like that or it added a little much needed clarity to all the chaos that was going on in the rest mm. of the stuff the hot wet dripping with sweat nitro 2 definitely has a fuller uh sound which i tend to find a little more pleasing to the ear so um i don't know i just i was struck these being the opening tracks of the sort of slight difference there in production big time i i voted i want you uh mainly because i thought the lead breaks and the guitar solo were better they were a little more musical the 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 solo in the in freight train is definitely of the you know vinnie vincent mark st john just completely non-musical just a as our buddy paul stanley once said about mark st john just puking notes out <laughs> as fast as possible and um you know i thought the the solo was um better and i want you another few of my observations that i'll sprinkle in are some of the comparisons to other bands that sort of registered with me as i was listening to it and i want you had kind of a docking vibe to me like mm. from the under lock and key era mm-hmm. both the riff and occasionally Gillette's vocals remind me of Don Dawkins a little bit. And then, of course, the uh, lyrical nod to I want you to want me, Cheap Trip, is invoked there. So for those reasons, the tip of the cap for me goes to I want you. Nick? It was actually pretty easy for me. I like Freight Train to an extent. I get that it's sort of like the flagship song. It's kind of, I mean, it's opening track, opening album. It's like, hey, this is what you're getting. Like, Mm -hmm. this is this is the band. Right. This is how it's going to be. Again, I found the vocals to be largely unintelligible in the song. (laughs) I had no no idea what he was saying. (laughs) Somebody brought up. I think uh, Chris J brought up Freddie Mercury with the layering of vocals. Right. There was always, maybe it's just because, you know, recorded and better studio, whatever, technical reasons. But there was always intelligibility there. You can always tell what Freddie was saying, even if there were eight of them. Not the case with Jim Gillette on these albums when he does that. It was pretty easy, though, for me to go with I Want You. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> um, it, it, this is my favorite song on both either album. Wow. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I've listened to it about a dozen times since last night. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I really like it. It's got a rat sort of a feel to mm-hmm. it. And like a lot of swagger, that kind of laid back 80s rat swagger. It has probably my favorite vocal moment on either album, which is just the little moment before the pre-course, the steal your heart away, uh, right before they go into I 
what? <laughs> just the, it's like really, really high. The steal your heart away. Yeah, like that one. I really <laughs> like it. Yeah, it just it was like a super catchy moment. Like it, it yeah. hooked me right there. So pretty easy for me. I, I get it that it's not filled with the nitro gimmick, but I, I thought it was a way better song. I find the same thing, uh, and, and I'm going with I Want You as well, uh, because I find uh, as outrageous as the first record is, the second one is catchier. There's a stretch in the middle that gets a little bit dour, shall we say, but I, I like I Want You. I like the sound effect on the on the snare drum. I sh- want sh- you. Sh- I, I remember when I first heard it, I didn't like it much at all. But I really did get into it over the years uh, of listening to Nitro a lot. And Freight Train to me never really grabbed me. And that's why I'm excited to do it at some point on Pot of Thunder because there is a video. To me, that's one of the weaker songs on OFR. But it is so signature as to what you're going to get with, uh, with Nitro for sure. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, we move on to uh, Double Trouble versus Cat Scratch Fever. And I'll kick it off here. Much like Nick talked about I Want You being your favorite from both albums, Double Trouble is top two or three for me on both albums. And it's another one that I played for my friends when I went back to Winnipeg for vacations in between or whatever. Listening to that chorus is so great. It's super catchy and it's hilarious. And Because he goes like, because you know you're in trouble. And then it's like, like super high, crazy, <laughs> crazy chorus, super catchy. So I'm really going with uh, Double Trouble. And Cat Scratch Fever, I mean, you really can't go wrong with that. But still, it's Cat Scratch Fever. We've heard it plenty of times before. Um, so not exactly the most uh, uh, original of, of covers. Chris, what is your favorite between Cat Scratch Fever and Double Trouble? I'm going to disagree with you on one point. It turns out you can go wrong with Cat Scratch Fever. They just... <laughs> <laughs> They, they they stripped all the swagger and all the uh, yeah. the sleaze out of it in favor of just the, the you know histrionics and stuff. The double bass stuff during the chorus, <laughs> I th- thought. Uh, I'm talking drums. Yeah, just interrupted any kind of groove that the song needs, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. Props to the uh, oh yeah <laughs> vocal <laughs> intro is. Brilliant, but and brilliant. I, I forgot. Bad, I forgot that that was repeated in the song. Yeah, I knew it was in the beginning, is. but during the chorus, I heard it in there a couple of times. So that made me laugh. <laughs> He's got a real habit of going like oh, like he does it quite a oh, like a really weird low Definitely. note there. Well, he's going as low as he can, as yeah. well as high as he can in the same song. So it sounds <laughs> weird when you go to that extreme of yeah. your. Voice. So, and then in my notes for both of these songs, both have written down under them terrible solo <laughs> in terms of uh, just being, you know, a puking of notes, not great yeah. music. But Double Trouble had a really good riff uh, to start the song off and carries it through, which the thing about Badio as I was listening to these albums is 
you know, obviously he, people pay attention to his lead playing because that's his thing to be the yeah. fastest gunslinger out there. But the guy could play rhythm guitar and came up with yeah. some pretty good riffs on these albums. And, uh, you know, I think that's more, the most important thing. And he did a good job on those. And uh, Double Trouble is one of those songs and a nice yeah. breakdown in the middle. I'm going Double Trouble. Yeah, I, I agree with you just quickly. Th- there is a lot of good hooks on this. It's just, once again, one, you got to get through the over-the-top vocal and, and of course, the, the, the guitar playing. But they did write some good hooks, and, and the riffs and the chorus hooks are good uh, in a few of these instances. Andy, what do, you, what do you like between the two? Well, I have thoughts on both. I'll start with Double Trouble. I think Double Trouble is a good like an air humping strut metal kind of song. <laughs> strut <kind> of <laughs> metal. <laughs> <laughs> Until that bridge where Jim Gillette turns into Jim Gibb and hits those Bee Gees notes for yeah. some reason. And he's singing about blackened skies filling a woman's heart. Like it doesn't make sense anymore. But my pick is Cat Scratch Fever. Obviously it's a cover. We know that. But the nitroisms are plentiful. The oh yeah yeah that Chris did perfectly is something I say at a lower volume. Every time that food right. served to me, <laughs> every time, what the food, what every time anybody serves food to me, I say that to myself <laughs> as it's presented on the table. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you were saying that's what you say at the beginning of every episode of pot of thunder. Oh, that too. Yeah. That too. Yeah. But yeah, the other note I was thinking, um, I normally cringe when there's sexual moaning in a song. But I actually applaud it in this song when uh, Jim Gillette harmonizes with his own moaning. <laughs> Never heard that before. Harmonized moaning. I'm giving it to Cat Scratch Fever. And of course, you have to talk about the video with Marcus Mueller, the quote unquote drummer who is definitely not playing on the album, who's the drummer in the video. Yeah. Gigantic muscle guy headbutts the crash symbol at the beginning of the song. That's the most rock and roll moment I can think of. Yeah. Well, once again, though, it, it kind of harkens back to Bobby Rock, the former Nitro drummer, smashing the cymbals with his hands at the end of the Boys Are Gonna Rock video. Once again, bringing up more comparisons between the VVI and, and Nitro. Nick, what are your faves? Um, I'm going Double Trouble. And um, you mentioned before the similarities to Vinnie Vincent Invasion. This is where it starts, in my opinion. Yeah. This song really sounds like a Vinnie Vincent Invasion song. It's got the really layered vocals during the chorus remind me of like, do you want to make love? Right. Uh, It's got that sort of double time hi-hat thing going on after the chorus. And that reminds me of Baby O. So, and I just think like the song itself, the riff in the beginning maybe could be a Vinnie Vincent riff. Not exactly, but I think like the melody, the, the structure of the song it sounds like a Robert Fleischman mm. era of any Vincent invasion song. And I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, Cat scratch fever is all I have for my notes here. It says ridiculous, but enjoyable. <laughs> and I think that that's as good as I can sum it up. The, the video is, is really adds to it though. Yeah. You can't, it, it's hard to running in place it. scene with <laughs> yeah. the, at the beginning is key and as well. Badio is like on a lifeguard tower for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's almost like Badio and Gillette 
were fans of the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Because if you remember, the, the whole concept of the VVI was they wanted to be the most extreme. Guitar solos, super fast, singing was going to be super high, and the image was going to be the most glam it could be, which it was in 1986. Fast forward to 1989, it's almost like these two guys went, okay, we're going to take what Vinnie Vincent and Fleischmann slash Slaughter did and up the ante even more so with our image, our solos, and our, our, our vocal technique, shall we say. Agreed. Okay, so we're going to do a little bit of a flip-flop. We'll do the rockers again next. We'll, we'll flip the flop the ballads. We have ballad versus ballad. So basically, we got Machine Gun Eddie versus Hot, Wet, Dripping with Sweat. And I will say this. So I was listening to this today, once again, prepping up to hear the music. And I was giving my daughters a, a ride to their orthodontist appointment, listen to this. And they both were like, Dad, what are you listening to? This is terrible. So I turned it off and then I went home and I was in the shower <laughs> listening to Machine Gun Eddie and I got the following uh, message from my wife via text and see if you guys can hear this. Please make that horrible music stop before my ears start bleeding. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that pretty much so you can't listen to oh. nitro around your family no, basically no. is what you're saying. No, I was I was fortunate to be completely alone today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it worked out for me in that regard and also my wife didn't have to be subjected to it. I had a similar experience that I'll mention two songs from now. All right. Chris, why don't you start Machine Gun Eddie versus the title track of Hot Wet Dripping with Sweat? So this is a this is a close one for me. Um, the Machine Gun Eddie riff uh, I got down here in my notes uh, kind of reminded me a little bit, dare I say, of Anthrax, sort of yeah. in that wheelhouse to me. It just registered with me as a, a comparable. I thought the lead line and that down tempo part was interesting. It almost sounded like a keyboard to me, but it was mm. it was melodic and good, so I, I enjoyed that. The vocal histrionics are just beyond ridiculous. Uh, I mean, that's no surprise there. And then in the chorus, you got Batio sort of uh, interjecting his Ingvayan-isms in between, you know, the vocal lines or the call and response. You get yeah. that, you know, classical Ingvay bursts of stuff uh, happening there, which I uh, found mildly interesting. But uh, so then we go over to, the title cut, Hot, Wet, Dripping with Sweat. This one gets the nod for me, if for no other reason than the quasi-explosion that happens when the guitar is <laughs> I, I had to rewind that a few times to, to decide if it was an actual explosion or that's just how it <laughs> came out when all the instruments kicked in. It rivals the explosion at the beginning of... Uh, the live version of what kickstart my heart yeah. motley Crue we kick around <laughs> yeah as far as best explosions at the beginning of hair <laughs> metal song oh my yeah i thought the riff was good and just the again the chorus with the vocal is is simply hilarious but <laughs> the explosion uh tips it for me in the favor of uh, hot wet dripping with sweat all right what do you think uh andy oh uh, it <laughs> I think Nick said something about this earlier. It was kind of an ugly battle here between these two. It's not for those with weak stomachs if you're going to listen to these two back to back. But um, Machine Gun Eddie, I read the lyrics because you could not understand them. Right. It's like a, something about like this guy who's uh, like a horror movie villain because they mention 
Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and that Machine yeah. Gun Eddie's even worse or whatever. I think the music kind of fit that vibe pretty well, that slow haunting thing with the sustained lead notes that Chris was talking about. Then the 30 whatever second, over 30 second scream that Jim Gillette does. But then for some unknown reason, the tempo of the song quadruples. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then Jim sings the lyrics like Boomhauer from King of the Hill. <laughs> from like the very top high metal scream to... I don't it's such an odd choice to go from that to that. Maybe it's just the only thing you could do after nailing a scream like that. Like we have to give me a break, so I have to just mumble something low for a minute. Did Nitro ever play live? Like you sent us a little clip. Did they actually do shows? They did, and they had uh all the layered vocals tracked. Gotcha. He's singing like one lead, and what he's doing live is perfect. Cause I was wondering how could they pull this off? It's not gonna work. Because all those voices have to be there or it's not Nitro. Well, and that's that's the thing. It's like Def Leppard with all the guitars that they have stacked from Hysteria and Pyromania, etc. And that's why I laugh when people talk about too many tapes in music today. Tapes, tapes, tapes. Dude, there was tapes in the 70s when Queen did Bohemian Rhapsody. So get your head out of your ass and realize it's part of live rock and roll if you want the songs to sound as full. So it doesn't surprise me that Jim was using tapes because there's no way they could duplicate the songs. It would sound so thin without them. Yeah, um, that's my pick. Machine Gun Eddie. Machine, well, I'm going to go with Machine Gun Eddie as well for the reasons basically that, that Andy said. The 35-second scream brought many a laughs to us, but also, too, trying to duplicate it. It's not easy to do. The guitar solo is ridiculous. It's one of the, quote-unquote, best Batio fast just puking note solos. Uh, he actually has a little bit of a theme to it. Lyrically, I mean, you can't beat words like Kruger seems like romper room. And Elm Street ain't so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get you got a point there. Uh, hot, wet, drip with sweat. I love it. Starts super fast, and then the then the verse is like bam, da 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 da, bam bam bam, and then he does a little thing. I'm a six machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, that's a toss up. Bro. It's a toss up. Uh, you know, in Nitro world, if if Eddie's a, a nine, hot, wet is an eight point five. But I got to give the. Uh, give the advantage to machine gun eddie all right nick so these two songs going head to head it's kind of like watching Hagler and hearns in 85 kind of yeah <laughs> very good analogy uh it's just absolute mayhem between the two <laughs> great call and just blood and guts basically who's gonna win i'm going with machine gun eddie wow okay. i found it to be more a little more catchy uh, a little more interesting <laughs> i mean yeah i think Catchy. Between these two songs, it's hard to say one is. <laughs> Chris L. said that uh, it, it was uh, the riff was reminiscent of Anthrax at the beginning and at the outro. I think it's exactly, this is like an Anthrax riff. I mean, it's it's not one that exists, but it would be. Yeah. Hot, wet, dripping of sweat is absolute mayhem from beginning to end. <laughs> and one thing that I, that kind of struck me as I was listening to it, when it gets to the chorus, the cadence of the gang vocals is kind of like a like a sideline cheer, like a middle school. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Like like you could hear girls on the playground like clapping and saying you know something to that cadence. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Hot, wet, drip with sweat. Hot, wet, drip with like sweat. Like yeah. cocoa pop or something. <laughs> So you're going with Machine Gun Eddie? Okay. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was close to it. Just it, who who was going to fall first, and and hot wet dripping with sweat fell first. 
Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, let me move on to the Battle of the Ballads, shall we say, although uh, Hot Wet German Sweat has two of them, but Crazy Love, written by Gillette Baccio and Howie Huberman. There's a name for you. Crazy Love versus Long Way From Home, which also had a video on it, and when I was growing up, we did not have Headbangers Ball. We had uh, much music, and it was the, the Pepsi Power Hour, and we used to watch that. Uh, it's also too interesting, and I'll start, is that the uh, video for Long Way From Home, the hairspray is down. And as we talked about, we haven't done this on Pot of Thunder yet, but the video has uh, some famous people in it, including uh, Rosemary of, was that the Dick Van Dyke show in 1962 or something like that? And who, who's the other guy that was in it? Maury Amsterdam. It's half of the cast of uh, the Dick Van Dyke show is reunited in this Nitro video. <laughs> this so Nitro random video. and odd. And also Julie McCullough, who was uh, Kirk Cameron's girlfriend on Growing Pains, ended up in Playboy and is now a stand-up comedian. She is also in it very randomly. Uh, and Jim looks good. He's a good-looking guy, long blonde hair, big package. Yeah, huge package. Did, yeah. You, did you see the vocal power video? Yeah, that's <laughs> huge. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah very very huge so anyways song wise though long way from home to me is the song that could have been a motley crew docking type song kind of a, a power ballad that's actually fairly good the guitar solo gets a little bit crazy but i think if they would have had a little bit more money they could have probably pushed that a little bit higher when you look at you know faster pussycat and great white and these type of kind of mid-level mediocre bands having hits with songs that weren't as good as this one crazy love uh, just a couple of kids being the tag of the chorus bothers me i don't like it uh, however the solo in crazy love might be badio's best solo out of both these records because it's the one time he doesn't succumb to his urge to just start uh, note puking um, which is the theme of the show. So uh, I like Crazy Love, the solo, but the song Long Way From Home gets the Duke for me. What do you think, Nick? I also uh, made a note that Crazy Love had a very good and appropriate solo. Not exactly characteristic of the rest of the album. Crazy Love also reminded me of, I think it'd be... Uh, Oh, actually, yeah, because this is on the second album. So this would have been after the first Enough's Enough album. It really sounds to me like yeah, it, yeah. Uh, vocal delivery, especially. That being said, however, I am going to give this one to Long Way From Home. The acoustic intro I thought was pretty interesting. It was mm -hmm. slightly Zeppelin-y and Diary of a Madman-y. Yeah, good call. This is going to be kind of a, an ongoing theme with me. I made a lot of notes of, like this song sounds like it could have been by this band, you know, right. you yeah. the enough's enough thing. This one sounds like it could have been a slaughter song, like a flight of the angels, something like that. Pretty good song actually. And the video, you know, helps. It's funny. The videos help. Yeah. They don't really exist anymore, but back then the, the videos could really 
make an impression and make you like the song more, make you appreciate it more. Um, and that happened with this. So yeah, I'm going to give it to long way from home. I like the outro too. Coming home. Cause I'm coming home, baby. I'll take it down. That was, that was good too. Uh, Andy, what do you think between the two? Uh, I'm giving it to crazy love. I think that these might be the best two nitro songs on paper, but they're not the two best songs for nitro. Hmm. If you gave these songs to another uh, contemporary band at the time, maybe these one of these two could have been a hit or a moderate hit for someone. So I think these two are the most well-written, easily digested songs if the nitroisms weren't in there. That makes <laughs> sense. But um, one thing I really wanted to point out was lyrically in Crazy Love, I'm not trying to make light of any kind of uh, domestic violent situation but i laughed out loud at the line hugging turned into slugging (laughs) (laughs) they're talking about their their relationship (laughs) and how it's it's going south and hugging turned into slugging (laughs) that's the thing it's like how how many more gems of these would be on earth if you could actually understand what the what he's saying (laughs) right exactly exactly so you're going with uh Crazy, crazy love. Yeah. And you know, one more thing you mentioned that the hair was down in the video for Long Way From Home. From what I saw, there are promo photos with the crazy hair. Right. Freight Train video has the crazy hair. Live and every other appearance, they kind of look like I'm not saying the same coolness factor or whatever, but they're like they would fit in like a Guns N' Roses vibe. Well, they much got, like Axel had his hair done up for the Welcome to the Jungle right, video yeah, and same, same couple promo photos. Yeah. 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 But they're, you know, like sleeveless tees, tattoos, yeah. down long hair. What do you think, Chris, between uh, Crazy Love and Long Way From Home? So I just want to clarify for everyone out there that uh, Long Way From Home is on OFR. Crazy yes. Love is on. Right. Nitro Thank you. Two. I don't want to. I'm tired of reciting those uh, initials. So <laughs> say Nitro 2. My notes on Crazy Love are. Worst lyrics of any song on both albums. (laughs) My estimation. Laughed out loud at the high high vocals before the solo. But again, I thought the solo was very good. The melody of the song uh, and the chorus was pretty good. Over to Long Way From Home, uh, the the baby's vocal uh, his his saying baby repeatedly in the uh, during the intro had me rolling again the solo i thought that like the first and third parts of it were pretty good but then it got kind of crazy in the other parts and you know it dropped in those requisite uh, neoclassical sort of ingve runs so this was a close one but given the uh the fact that in my estimation, Crazy Love has the worst Nitro That's lyrics, period. Um, <laughs> I'm going with Long Way From Home. That's saying a lot, like we said. It is. Um, all right, now we get back into the uh, order. Bring It Down versus Boys Will Be Boys. And that's Boys Will Be Boys with a Z, as in boys are going to rock. And that's a Will Be uh, with the letter B, as in uh, Be Real. So, uh Chris, why don't you do a double whammy here and tell us what you think between Bring It Down and Boys Will Be Boys. Okay, so uh, Bring It Down again, another good riff. I will say this exercise gave me a new appreciation for uh, Badio's rhythm playing, composition of main riffs and songs. And uh, also 
the guitar tone uh, sort of reminded me of Akira and Loudness uh, bands. Good call. Before, you know, has that sort of super saturated uh, sort of West Coast uh, Sunset Strip metal kind of sound, which when executed well is is quite potent. And uh, you hear that a lot on both these albums. So, again, I, I simply started laughing when the vocals kicked in. <laughs> yeah. like, when this guy enters a song, more often than not, I just start laughing. And I mean, <laughs> that might be a good thing from an entertainment standpoint, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm laughing at the ridiculousness of it. Yeah, exactly. As you pointed out earlier, they don't seem to be in on the joke. Right. <laughs> dead serious about what they're doing, which... It makes it all the more ridiculous. And then uh, I thought the, the, he had the, the, the harmonized guitar solo was pretty interesting. It was kind of cool, different for these guys. Boys will be boys. Um, this is probably the best groove of any song on either of these albums. And I also thought the the solo was good. So this was a close one. But again, I th- Boys Will Be Boys didn't have me laughing at it and not in a good way, so I'm voting Boys Will Be Boys. Nick, what do you think? Well, I'm going to disagree with Chris L. as far as which one had me laughing more. It was Boys Will Be Boys simply because of the lyric. This was the lyric that I had to stop and go back. This was the only time this happened in my listening experience. Wild women going naked swimming. <laughs> the best. That made me stop dead in my tracks <laughs> and go back. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to give the win to uh, Boys Will Be Boys. It uh, sounded like, here I go again with just straight up comparisons to other bands, but it sounded like a crew song. It had like a the girls, girls, girls beat just that open hi-hat with each kick and snare hit and uh the chorus was rhythmically a lot like too fast for love and uh uh, bring it down now andy hasn't gone yet but my note on this i don't have that much to say about bring it down i mean it's it's crazy it's heavy but i have i think andy would love this one so we'll see if i'm right i guess all right andy was he right well he's right but let me tell you this I was listening to Bring It Down. My five-year-old daughter walked in the room. Oh boy, here it is. She started <laughs> laughing, and she asked me if a ghost was singing. <laughs> it's like, what a perfect description to it. Just laughing openly. And then, Dad, is that a ghost singing? I think musically the song is cool. It is ridiculous vocals the entire time. I don't think there's a single section that's not obscene. For Bring It, for bring it Down? Yeah, Human ears and human brains are not calibrated to understand yeah. what's happening with his voice in this song. Boys will be boys. I'm giving it the nod, surprisingly. I like both. But the only reason that it put it over the top was wild women going <laughs> naked swimming. That could be one of the best lyrics ever yeah. by anyone. Can we finish the, the whole verse? Wild women going naked swimming. Skinny dipping, finger licking. Oh, that's living. <laughs> Next to living, I like fighting. It's the best. <laughs> I got to find a little lady in the north, south, east, or west. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. How, yeah, that song is a, a winner for sure. <laughs> I got to go with Boys Will Be Boys because I love the chorus. And I also, something you guys haven't discussed yet, 
the ending where it just doesn't stop. Boys will, boys will be boys. Boys will, boys will be boys. And then it stops for like 10 seconds. And then you're like, boys will. It's like, oh, I thought I had it. Yeah. (laughs) Great ending on that. And also, um, I will say this too. I haven't mentioned this yet, but Bring Down the House is a great example of Gillette's King Diamond voice. He has a lot of King Diamond in him. And I found that whole like, bring it down, bring down the house. That was real King Diamond to me because there's about three or four harmonies on that. Whereas King Diamond, you laughed at first and then realized there's a certain charm and some coolness to it. You never really get there with Gillette. It, like you said, Andy, great call. The human brain is not calibrated to understand or find what Jim Gillette is doing with his voice appealing in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. I yeah. found the coolness, though, recently. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, well, your daughter wasn't wrong about it sounding like a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, then we go to Nasty Reputation off of OFR uh, versus Turning Me On from two. And, and I'll, I'll start this one. I, I love Turning Me On because the beginning is like, turn me on, you turn me on. And as Jim is singing, once again in the background, the gang vocals are doing this cheer. Turn me on, you turn me on. And then the great chorus of Turning Me On turning me on and on with 18 stack vocals super high so i gotta go with that one it's always been a standout for me and nasty reputation oh good lord uh, there's a lot of issues with this one for me uh the chorus is way too high i don't even know that there's another thing where someone said jim Gillette actually sings two notes at the same time i can't believe he could do that that's not a, th- a thing singing two notes at the same time means you're singing completely out of tune or flat you can't do that. So I find he's singing two notes at the same time for a lot of nasty reputation, in my opinion. Well, there um, are Mongolian monks who do that. <laughs> okay, well, I guess Jim Gillette is a Mongolian monk. I wouldn't though. doubt it. He's a black belt or something like that. He's I got think. a lot of that, too, isn't he? He's very kind of a spiritual guy. And uh, But, Nick, what do you think between these two songs? <sighs> Neither of them were really grabbing me. Andy's shaking his head. We had a conversation beforehand. I'm going to give it to Nasty Reputation, but just barely. I didn't care too much for either. Uh, I enjoyed the whisper of, she's nasty. Yeah. (laughs) It was perhaps, uh, and that was, I think, right before what what could be considered the most ridiculous guitar solo on either album. Wow. Just Nasty uh, Reputation? Yeah, fast and noty, just nonstop. Turning me on, I will say... 
the main riff it kicks into after that acapella intro, it sounds like a very difficult riff to play well and have any sort of groove result from it. Hmm. I don't know what he's playing. I didn't really, you know, try to figure it out, but it just sounded very difficult. Um, so I respect that. Uh, I thought it had a terrible chorus, though. <laughs> what do you think, Chris? Okay, the thing I found interesting about both these songs, and interesting that they're they're matched up together, is that they both, uh, at least from the uh, introduction of the vocals, they both start with the title of the song, and therefore probably the chorus of the song. Mm, right. It's got that kind of, you know, you give love a bad name, formula, Bon Jovi, don't bore us, get to the chorus, so <laughs> why not start the song with it if you're going to do it that way? So I thought, though, you know, they both uh, sort of opened with that, which was I found interesting. I agree with uh, Nick on the solo and nasty reputation. It's just a, the, the puking notes uh, variety. It's completely non-musical. The second solo is a little bit better, but I thought there was an interesting breakdown in nasty reputation. Turning me on, uh, I thought I had a better arrangement overall. I think chaotic main riff and then it goes into a breakdown of its own and the chorus is different uh my final notes on turning me on it just says vocals terrible <laughs> uh, this is another close one but i i checked uh turning me on all right andy what do you think i have notes on both um nasty reputation is a song about a woman who comes on too strong and the guy tells her to slow down, which is basically a rewrite of Jermaine Stewart's We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off. <laughs> Turning Me On is the sleeper of both of these albums. The best Nitro song is Turning Me On, in my opinion. All right. <laughs> the acapella panning harmonized intro. <laughs> Which, if you don't have it on loud enough, if it's like in the background and you're not paying attention, it sounds like when you would like high speed fast forward a tape when you were <laughs> you had like a double tape deck. But I'm going to go ahead and say better than in the laugh of the gods with the, <laughs> the panning vocal harmony at the beginning. Awesome song. I love it. Great chorus. My favorite uh, nitro song is turning me on. That's amazing. <laughs> All right, uh, then we get to Fighting Mad versus Don't Go. Uh, Andy, why don't you continue? Fighting Mad is a prime OFR nitro. <laughs> like, it's just vintage. Bananas. Yeah, it is. The way he delivers that verse vocal, it's kind of like uh, Machine Gun Eddie, but even more whatever that is, where it's this low, grumbly, gravelly voice. And I don't know. <laughs> I think he just does it because he can. But it reminded me of uh, when we used to go to the carnival as a kid and the guys who would try to like bark you over to their thing. And they, <laughs> you know, these dudes are living hard and smoking and drinking. <laughs> right, right, right. Extremely Carnies. gravelly. <laughs> kind of. Come on over here. Yeah. yeah. Bottle balloon win a prize. Yeah, exactly. Did you look at the lyrics, anyone, for this song? Because they need to be pointed out. <laughs> no, please do. I, I, didn't, please do. I didn't delve that far into it, but I'm, I'm realizing I. I missed so much great material by not pulling up the lyrics. So please, please regale us with this. So the first pre-chorus, there's a lyric. It says, my fist, hard as steel, going to ram it through your head. <laughs> Eat you like a dog. You're going to wish you were dead. Okay. Wow. And then, right. you know, the chorus and the verse. And then the next pre-chorus with the same melody. 
says, one thing to remember, you are but a fly. I am the swatter and you're going to die. Wow. <laughs> and then there's a completely outlandish tempo change into the solo for that song. I, I thought Don't Go kind of was like the Def Leppard. It could have been a Def Leppard song, but obviously, you know, Nitro did ni- Nitro gonna Nitro, as they say. But was <laughs> fighting mad. All right, Chris. Okay, um, so you 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 beat me to the punch uh, too a couple songs ago, but Fighting Mad is the song as I was listening to it, where, where I realized that he's going for King Dying. Yeah, right. In a, in a couple of these. Uh, instances and this is the this is a song where i probably heard it on bring it down the one you uh mentioned it and was hearing it throughout the first album this is the one where i the light switch went out i'm like okay he's going for king diamond another one similar formula the riff is good i simply laughed at the vocals (laughs) um and then the breakdown riff was cool. And then I've got written down here again. I started laughing when the solo kicked in. I can't remember if it was the solo or the vocals, possibly both. But <laughs> a lot of laughter for me in the song. Uh, Don't Go, I agree, is a, a very strong power ballad that could have gotten them, them some traction. You know, a restrained solo from Batio. I think, uh, you know, on the two ballads on Nitro 2, he... Uh, did what mm. necessary for those things, so definitely give him credit for that. Gillette is just not a good vocalist, good enough vocalist from just a straight singing standpoint. Yes. Really pull off a, a decent power ballad. I'm going for Don't Go, and it could possibly be my favorite song on either mm. album. Wow. It's interesting for me because Don't Go is one of the ones that I had no idea how it, how it went when I started listening to, to two again after not hearing it for gosh, 20 odd years. So yeah, I kind of thought it was a little bit kind of stock. I love fighting mad only because going back to the, you know, look what I found to the old friends in Winnipeg. If you're trying to sing along, obviously a lot of these songs are very hard to sing along to even for fun, but fighting mad, the chorus for that, you got to really go for it because it's very quick and it's just over and over and fighting mad because I'm fighting mad because I'm fighting mad fine. And of course, obviously it's three octaves higher than that. So if you're ever, if you got a high voice and you're ever just looking for a fun little thing to do, if you can do, I challenge anybody to try and sing the chorus for fighting mad and not stop because it's not easy. So don't go not memorable for me. Uh, fighting mad memorable only because it's really hard if you want to sing like you're on helium and your brain is going to explode like the head and scanners then uh, give it a try (laughs) nick i am going to slightly give it to don't go i also uh like andy said i also caught a def leppard sort of a vibe going on there fighting mad i didn't like it at all I get that it's them going as over the top as possible. Um, I did notice, though, during the verse, it sounded like perhaps a uh, vocally a Lemmy influence was happening there. Hmm. Oh, which I, Andy brought up a gravelly sort of a yeah. delivery, which would be consistent with that. But, yeah, I'm going to give it to Don't Go. It's kind of ruined by too much vocal work, which a lot of, I mean, a lot of the songs have that. But this one, I think, could have been a little more restrained and it could have come off a lot better it's something where like 
what Gillette does vocally sometimes is kind of like when you worry like the wrong country has a nuke. Like, like <laughs> what are they doing with it? Should they are they the ones that should have this? Some of the calls being made just were unfortunate, irresponsible behavior. <laughs> with his gifts and weapons. All right. Now we move on to shot heard around the world versus making love. Andy, what do you got for those two? Oh, <laughs> I'm going with shot heard around the world. It's a classic fist pumping USA <laughs> patriotic <laughs> anthem. <laughs> One year I made the mistake of playing this song at my 4th of July barbecue. <laughs> really? And then, and then when Jim started singing the verse, my backyard was besieged <laughs> by all the stray dogs of the neighborhood. <laughs> well, there's a historical reference. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, the whole thing is USA. Making love. I wanted to point something out lyrically. He's basically talking about what a good lover he is. And it's like, it's directed at whatever woman he's talking to. And then he says, pick up the phone because I'm always home. And I was thinking, <laughs> after everything he just said, what woman's going to be like, yeah, that sounds good. I'm going to go ahead and uh, make love to this horny loser who's home all the time. <laughs> if he's home all the time, nothing he said is true. So I'm going with shot heard around the mm. world. Oh my gosh. I got to go <laughs> with shot heard around the world as well, because uh, I like the chorus. It's, it's quite catchy and making love is another one of the ones that I was kind of, I did had no remembrance of how it really went uh, and listening back to it. It's, it wasn't very memorable again. <laughs> Once again, talking about just the laughter of, of some of these tunes. I mean, the shot heard around the world is, is fairly catchy, but that chorus, it dude, his vocals are just, you know, I remember Billy Joel talking about Sting and saying how Sting was such a great singer because he had no vibrato by choice. So it was very easy for him to lay down harmonies because everything was very straightforward. Gillette is like this as well. There is no vibrato on any Jim Gillette vocal on this record. So you could literally just go, shot heard around the world, shot heard around the world, shot heard around the world, <laughs> and just stack them all on top of each other. He's probably in and out of that studio in like, you know, 20 minutes for, for that chorus. Also, too, the production on the drums in this, it sounds like some little kid is playing like a Hello Kitty drum set beside him. It's really pedestrian, but it just all wraps around to, once again, the kind of the crux of what Nitro is for me, which is super cheesy, super over the top, super funny, but also very catchy at times. And I find Shot Around the World has that where Making Love, like I said, I can't even really remember the song. So I'm going with Shot Heard. What do you think, uh, Nick? I am going to go with Making Love on this one. Oh, nice. Um, shot Heard Around the World. It had a sort of like a jailbreak by Thin Lizzy guitar riff, pretty close to it, uh, which was cool. The, the reason that it lost this battle rests solely on the pronunciation of the word world during the chorus. <laughs> Good that was enough for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't even around yeah. the world. <laughs> the war world. Yeah. <laughs> Making love actually, I thought was very similar to uh Smooth Up in You by the Bullet. Oh, because God. he's like screaming the there's a sort of a screaming vocal introduction, and then it's very similar, like same beat, very similar guitar. Just thought it was it just cool groove. Liked it better. I, I don't know. Shot heard around the world was too much for me, especially when it got to the chorus. Chris? Yeah, similar uh, 
takeaways for me. I thought both songs had pretty good grooves to them, so I liked that about both of them. But yeah, for Shot Heard Around the World, I have terrible vocals and awful enunciation of the song title. <laughs> the way he says wor- world, pronounces world, is just so <laughs> weird and off-putting and- I don't know. It just ain't right. And then, and then my final note on that is that I just shook my head at the guitar solo. It's just like, I don't know what that was. Um, making love. Um, I thought the, like I said, the groove was good. The riff was good. Solo was nice. And they had an interesting breakdown in the middle of that one. I did write down that I, again, laughed at the opening <laughs> vocal. Find myself laughing at the vocal more often than not. So the nod goes for me to making love. Uh, so now uh, we get to, it's the final song on OFR. It's the title track, but we're going to do a little bit of, of shuffling of the songs because there's a couple extra songs on Hot Wet Dripping With Sweat. And once again, if there's any um, Nitro enthusiasts who have a problem with this, relax because you're not going to hear Nitro being discussed to this length by anybody else at any other time. So we got OFR, the uh, title track versus Take Me. Andy, what do you think? Giving it to OFR. An incredible, seriously incredible vocal in that song. Lyrically, again, you know, I had to look at the lyrics because I'm usually not a lyric guy, but when we do something like this, you have to dive in and, you know, (laughs) discover all the components of what goes into these songs. But lyrically, I don't know if you guys remember this. He said, we got the first A fucking amendment in the U.S. fucking A. (laughs) The PMRC can fuck off, baby. Rhyming baby with a <laughs> yeah. Apparently, it was a game time de- decision to see uh, if they were going to go with John Denver or Jim Gillette for the PMRC. Who <laughs> <laughs> was more well spoken? Well, they're going to go with uh, it was between D. Snyder and Jim Gillette, and who had the best package in jeans yeah, yes, and yeah. and D. One. So he got the uh, upper Crushed hand on their that. groin and Tipper Gore's <laughs> face from across the room, and then take me. It's a strange song lyrically. I didn't like it as much musically. Again, I'm giving the nod to OFR, but lyrically, it's just kind of strange because there's the line where he says something about, uh, tell me where we're going because you know I'll be coming in five seconds flat. And then he says, anywhere you want to go is good with me. So, <laughs> what are you he's talking very agreeable. about? Yeah, he's very agreeable, but he's coming <laughs> he's, in five seconds. Right, exactly. The, the agreeableness is negated by the fact that he's going to have an orgasm in five seconds. Yeah, yeah which and no what? chick wants, you know. I, I heard, as a matter of fact, that's why Lee Ford started beating him because of his five-second <laughs> orgasm. That could be it. I was just thinking, like, this woman is just going to take this uh. premature ejaculator home for the night and never come back to pick him up again. That's where well, she's and don't, don't forget, that's the reason why I pick up the phone. I'm always home because of this quick ejaculation problem. That could be it. <laughs> oh man uh, uh, uh nick what do you think i'm gonna have to give it to take me <laughs> ofr was there are a few songs kind of like freight train kind of like shot her around the world where it's basically saying here we are we're nitro uh-huh. like this is us we're gonna take over the world basically so you got three songs on the first album that have that sentiment to them that's fine. And it sums up their musical style nicely with the over the top everything. But I did like Take Me. I thought that piano intro was pretty cool. I meant to look it up if that was Badio. It's Badio. Yeah, it is. It's Badio because yeah. it's, I mean, it's pretty great sounding. I'm not a, I'm not a uh, expert, a pianist or anything like that. I, but uh, 
yeah, it, it was, it sounded pretty excellent to me. And I was wondering if that was him since it seems like he really can command whatever he puts his mind to. I thought that the, uh, there was a slower pre-chorus part. I thought it sounded just like Queensryche for a few seconds. So that was kind of an interesting thing. I, I mean, and I don't know if any of these comparisons, if obviously did they premeditate this? We want to sound like this or we want to sound like that, but it's just, it's interesting just on these two albums, how many different bands they really Good sound like from time to time. The verse uh, guitar riff sounded like young and wasted by kiss. <laughs> so I, you know, that's never, never a bad thing. And uh, back to Gillette's package real quick. I just, <laughs> I was <laughs> again with, uh, I was watching just the, you know, the, uh, the classic scream, the, however many octave scream that everybody's seen. And I was watching that and my wife walked by and she's like, Whoa, what's that guy doing? I'm like, I'm like, Hey, he's screaming like that. Cause he's got a runaway chipmunk in his jeans. <laughs> it really is cheap like that. But, uh, no, I, but back to these songs though, I, I, I think take me was a, just a better song overall, but OFR again, it's like a flagship thing. So I'll, I'll give it that, but I just didn't, it didn't stick with me quite as well. I have to say, when Andy was pointing out Jim's package in uh, in the vocal power video, with a little bit of of you know cat like uh, jealousy, he goes, "It's obviously look at his package, obviously stuffed." <laughs> <laughs> a little bit uh, insulted by this uh, by this fact. Well, here's the thing: when you take it <laughs> too far, it just becomes insulting. <laughs> it's not quite a, a a cucumber, but it's it's getting there. No, but but hey, he went nitro <laughs> even with his package stuffing. <laughs> He didn't make it believable. <laughs> I'll go next. OFR. Uh, I'll say this too quickly because I've said it on, on Pot of Thunder a couple of times, but I had the fortune of playing with Michelangelo Batio at the NAM show in 2019, pre-pandemic, where um, uh, Rudy Sarzo invited me to come for the Randy Rhodes show at NAM, And it was me, uh, Brian Titchi on drums, Rudy Sarzo on bass, and Michelangelo Batio on guitar playing Crazy Train. And when I went over to rock with him, he had uh, not his four-prong guitar, but his two-prong guitar. And there was nowhere for me to rock with. I couldn't go to the right. I couldn't go to the left because either way, I was in danger of being impaled on a guitar neck. But a uh, nice guy, ridiculous solo. Of course, didn't fit at all, but it's Michelangelo Batio. You know, what do you expect? But having said that, Take Me as a really cool chorus. I really enjoy it. Uh, I got to go with OFR, though, just because it is outrageous. Uh, as Andy said earlier, Nitro got a Nitro, and this is a great example of that. Uh, and also, too, once again, the Vinnie Vincent comparisons to the last song on the Vinnie Vincent Invasion album called Invasion has about three minutes of guitar squeals where nothing's happening at the end of it. And that's similar to what happens at the end of OFR, where there's about a minute and a half of just random noises and weird stuff where it's just like they just didn't want to end the record. We're just going to keep playing I got to go with OFR because it is very nitro. And uh, I always loved the lyric of uh, we are strong. We are one with the pack serious as a heart attack. Jack, you know, it reminds me of eighties wrestling. Let me tell you something, Jack. (laughs) So uh, OFR for me, Chris L. All right. So take me, I I found the piano intro interesting. I thought the arrangement of the whole song is pretty ambitious. Guitar solo is cool, but OFR is just next level for me. A couple uh, comparisons to a couple of my other favorite songs I heard uh, in this one, especially at the beginning, I I definitely heard the first two 
Chords of Revelations by Maiden, which is my oh, favorite nice. Maiden song. And then in the chorus, it reminded me of Nothing Up My Sleeve by Motorhead. Definitely appealed to me in a big way. The rest of my notes are good riff, hilarious chorus, vocals, <laughs> another stupid solo. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, how could you not vote for a song that has the, the out rageous <laughs> chant repeatedly throughout fading in and out of the mix like and grown men barking out rageous <laughs> and putting it in a song that's an instant winner for me and didn't they uh chant ofr during shot heard around the world or yeah they did that and, and that's a andy though, was saying it was usa was that it, you're right it's ofr but it is a very uh fist pumping American. Yeah, right. yeah. And I wanted to point out that unlike the end of the boys are going to rock video where they destroy all their instruments at the end of the OFR video, Badio carefully puts <laughs> that guitar in its custom case. Yeah. Does he really? Is that? No. Really? It's, oh, okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. If you listen closely, you can, you can hear that click. Oh, uh, from what I recall too, he's got a little bit of a slur with his speech. He's like, "Make sure to take care of that guitar. Don't shrink it." <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just do a little uh, a, a coda here. We've discussed Johnny died at Christmas at length, with which of course begat this uh, uh, amazing episode. But let's just do because the two last songs we haven't talked is Johnny died on Christmas versus Hey Mike. And I, I'll start. Johnny died at Christmas is a terrible song. And, and Nick had a great quote on Pot of Thunder. If you guys haven't heard it, go back and listen to it where we were talking about how bad it starts. And Nick goes, well, guys, I got to tell you, it doesn't get any better from here. You know, it's still just not a good song. But I will say this. Hey Mike has got to be the most useless guitar solo in recorded album history. And I'll tell you the reason why. This whole album is a guitar solo. Yeah. From song one to song done, it's nothing more than guitar solo. So when I saw Hey Mike and thought, okay, it's, it's 50 seconds, whatever, it's gonna, I thought he was going to either play some piano, pull an Eddie Van Halen, do something on the acoustic guitar, maybe do some harm, harmonics, some Cliff Burton-esque you know, volume swells. No, he just solos. And I'm like, you just soloed for 10 songs, dude. Why did you need that extra minute of soloing? And that's why I'll choose the worst song of all time, Johnny Died at Christmas Johnny, over Hey Mike for that specific reason. Chris? Yeah, I mean, uh, Johnny Died at Christmas, at least there's a structure to it. And some people have opined that the... Uh, Chorus sticks in your head a little bit, which, which <laughs> yeah, like like an axe. Yeah, you know, it, it's a terrible <laughs> song. There's no getting around it. But like you said, the, the the hey Mike thing. I mean, that solo could be punched into any of the songs on these yeah. albums, and you would never know the difference. It's not like you could take eruption and plop it into exactly got me. You know, I mean, it's it's a. Compo was composed as a solo piece and it stands alone right. as that this is just another composition of a solo that like i said you could just punch it into any of the rockers on either of these albums and assuming it's remotely in a similar key you would never know it, you wouldn't bat an eye at it and then you know the beginning like Gillette's hey Mike and then at the end what does he say cool, cool. Yeah. so <laughs> lame so lame 
<laughs> so yeah, Johnny died at Christmas. The the only way it could possibly yeah, exactly. get a positive vote is to be paired up with a Mike. This is like one of those things like on Jeopardy. You need one point to win. Like you, you just have to write any answer down and you leave it blank and you lose. That's what happens with this these two songs. What do you think, Nick? Well, Johnny Died on Christmas is the absolute worst song ever recorded. <laughs> <laughs> hey Mike is completely unnecessary. But I have to give it the nod because (laughs) Johnny Died on Christmas is the Charlie Brown trying to kick the football of music. It can't get any satisfaction whatsoever. Oh, my God. I can't argue with that (laughs) rationale. Andy? (laughs) Johnny Died on Christmas is infinitely better. Hey, Mike. Have you guys ever seen that video? It's probably like 2009, 2010. It's Dave Mustaine performing with some orchestra. Mm-hmm. That's what Hey Mike reminds me of. And I don't know if it's, it's got to be a combination of what he played and how the video sounds, like how he's yeah, mixed son- into it. That's a good point because sonically it does kind of have that but similar. Yeah, it's sound. just bananas and terrible for no reason. And, right. that's, and then it's just done. It's just a <laughs> bunch of fast notes and then nothing. Johnny died on Christmas. I mean, we talked about it for an hour and a half on Pot of Thunder. It's so fun. I mean, you, you could say it's one of the worst songs ever by a professional band, but it's so fun to listen to and just pick out things that make you smile or laugh. For entertainment value, hands down, Johnny died on Christmas. And just uh, for those who haven't heard Pot of Thunder, uh, some of the classic lines are, uh, Johnny packed his bags, headed west to beat the odds and do his best. He could hear his mama cry, don't go, because you're going to die. So she kind of she kind of hexed him from the start. Right. And then the other was Johnny said things are getting bad. Don't think they'll get good. I got to get off this crack. Yeah, I think I should. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, final thoughts on Nitro as we're getting a little bit long here from Talk is Jericho. But uh, first of all, uh, which album do you like best? And uh, what are your final thoughts on Nitro? I'll start off. I'd have to say out of the two, they're pretty close if you put them side to side like we just did. Uh, I'll probably give Hot Wet Dripping With Sweat the edge just because I think the production is better. I think the solos are a little ramped in. I think Jim's vocals are a little bit less crazy and better for the songs. But overall, I mean, Machine Gun Eddie and Double Trouble, it's hard to beat those two in my opinion. But I'll I'll go with with Hot Wet Dripping With Sweat. And, And basically final thing is once again, this is one of the worst slash best bands you'll ever hear because it is very laughable, but there's a lot of talent between these two guys. They just, once again, perfect mastery and perfect control of their respective instruments, but they both still pretty much suck uh, at putting together proper performances in, in playing what's best for the song. But I will always listen to these records and I'll always promote Nitro because uh, I do enjoy the talent involved, if not the uh, ridiculousness of the effort, if nothing else. Uh, Nick, which, song, which album do you like best and final thoughts on Nitro? I'm going to go with the album via a text message from you earlier today is now going to be called Hot Wiener Dripping with Sauerkraut. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be the winner. And uh, I mean, it's got my favorite favorite song. I want you favorite one off of either album. All right. I I mean, but like you said, I, I also feel they're pretty even. I was just kind of counting up. I took a tally of, you know, winners and losers here from my list and they're, they're pretty even. 
And doing this, going through and listening to the albums and kind of doing a little research and watching a couple of interviews and things, I have respect for the band and for the two, uh, you know, Badio and Gillette. It seems that uh, it might have been a record company decision for them to go so over the top, according to an interview I, I heard with Gillette. So there's so much that's interesting with this band now to me that I'm I'm probably going to pursue some more information here. Yeah, very, very interesting. Like you said, that was the gimmick. At the time, every band had a gimmick. And rather than being like all those bands in 89 that were kind of following a dying trend, they tried something completely different and, and you know, carved a little bit of a, of a niche out for themselves. Whether you like it or not is to be seen, but it's different from everything else that you're here. Uh, Andy, which album do you like better? And final thoughts on Nitro. I, my votes, I'm not going to count that Johnny died on Christmas versus Hey Mike, but my votes were five in favor of OFR four on Hot Wet Dripping with Sweat. So I'm going with OFR. But again, my favorite song out of any of them is Turning Me On, which is on Hot Wet Dripping with Sweat. You can't go wrong with, well, maybe you could, or you can't go right, <laughs> you can't go wrong. Whatever it is, they're equal, I'll say. These two albums are equal. If you like it, you're going to like both of them. If you don't like it, you won't like either one. Uh, it's not like they took a drastic change yeah. to the other. Um, final thoughts on Nitro. Like what Nick said, doing more and more research, I found because basically Nitro is Jim Gillette and Michelangelo Badio. Whoever well, else yeah. was in the band was just in the band. Sure. And they may have turned out some good performances, but you know, it seemed like it was a rotating yeah. like a revolving door of who was on bass and who was on drums. So for all intents and purposes, we're talking about those two guys. I found them to be very charming in interviews, even though we said they came across as playing it very serious. I don't think they were joking about anything, but they knew it was ridiculous. I mean, the album's called Out Rageous. Rageous. Right. They're like, what do you mean this is ridiculous? You know, this is, they, they understood what was happening. If you just watch these guys talk about, you know, their career, especially now looking back, they seem like they're pretty cool guys who, like Nick said, maybe would have done things differently if they had more control. At least that's the story that we hear now, which maybe that's a hindsight 2020 situation, but I enjoy it quite a bit for what it is. I talk about this all the time on Pot of Thunder. Sometimes a song that we deem to be bad and we laugh at, I enjoy and give it the thumbs up because I get great entertainment value. You enjoyed it. it. Right, exactly. I have a smile on my face and for whatever reason, it doesn't matter what the reason is, I liked it. I'm in a better mood after hearing it. And that's what happens with Nitro. So there you go. And I'll say one thing too, in playing with Michael Vaccio, obviously I was laughing kind of about his overplaying, shall we say. The guy's a tremendous guitar player for what he does. And also too, a very, very nice guy. He, he couldn't have been cooler to me on stage talking to him a little bit before i think i even kept in touch with him a little bit afterwards so nothing but respect for him as a guy and as a player for what he does he's one of the best in the business so i'll say that and same with jim gillette those vocal doublings and triplings and 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 all the all the stacking is incredible it'd be very hard to do so yes it's laughable at times but but the talent is definitely there for what they do so, Chris, take it home. Favorite album of the two and final thoughts on Nitro? Because you're the one guy out of the four of us that I thought would have a real problem with this, but it seems like you've uh, gained a little bit of respect for them now yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Um, between the two, my preference is the second album. I think I had six uh, 
votes off the second album versus three for the first one. You know, like I said, I did uh, gain a new appreciation for Batio's playing, especially his rhythm playing and his uh, composition of riffs. Got a whiny dog down here. Well, that was just Jim Gillette. Uh, yeah, singing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's doing her Jim Gillette. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I, I did gain a new uh, appreciation for Nitro. And, and as any, anybody knows, I'm entertained by stuff that's so bad it's good. And, uh, you know, I do find uh, that I gain some enjoyment and entertainment from Nitro. And, um, and then I'll close with an addendum to a comment you made uh, in this segment, Tooge, that you'll always be listening to these albums. Just never again an earshot of your wife or daughters. <laughs> all three of them have had absolutely enough of uh, what they were exposed to today while you were preparing for this episode. So, uh, you know, as married men, and I'm not a father, but I would imagine as fathers too, you learn from your mistakes. Uh, I would wager a lot of money that you will never play Nitro in their presence again. So. Please make that horrible music stop before my ears start bleeding. Jeez. Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> well, I have to disagree with my wife. I do agree with Chris and Andy and Nick. And uh, great having you guys as always. We'll have to do more classic album clashes. But there couldn't be any three other guys that I could do one with Nitro with. So uh, at least we got that going for us. Thank you for having us. It was yeah, a blast. We'll have to. Uh, we'll definitely have to do freight train in the future. And I look forward to doing more Pod of Thunders with you guys, either in person or on Streamyard. And uh, it's always a pleasure. And I, uh, as always, cherish these moments. Yes, <laughs> as do exactly. we. As do we. <laughs> guys, remember, because you know you're in trouble, and it's double trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, is that a ghost singing? <laughs>